Welcome to Success Coaching with Eric Reed. This show is for you if you'd like to develop more strategic growth in your business and in your life, become more profitable, and develop the strategies to leading a happier, more balanced life. And now your host, Eric Reed. Well, good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to Success Coaching Radio. Like the guy said, my name is Eric Reed, and I'm your host for this next 20 or 30 minutes as we discuss success principles both in life and in business. And so I hope you will settle in, and if you've got a notebook ready, some of my listeners have actually sent me uh, little notes from our conversations, uh, or questions, I guess you would say, when you were on last week or I was listening to this podcast or that podcast and you said this. And so that always makes me feel good. You know, I show up here and sometimes I'm not sure if I'm just talking to myself or talking to thousands. And so when I get your feedback, it is always welcomed and your questions are always appreciated. And I do my best to respond to you as quickly as I can. So feel free to drop those comments, send those emails, catch me over on Facebook and ask me directly. I'm excited and welcome it. Like I said, my name is Eric Reed. I am a success coach. So what does that mean, success coach? You know, when you go out in the coaching industry or in the speaking and consulting industry, everybody seems to be something different. I have to laugh the other day. I saw somebody that had print that said that they were um, a cheating coach. I think is how they defined it. I thought cheating coach, what does that mean? And after a little bit of investigation, it was somebody that helps people that have been cheated on. And so I thought, oh, that's a specialty niche. So, you know, my niche, I guess you could say a success. And I help people find success in their life. And I do so because I, at one time, thought that success was external. It was somewhere out there that I was supposed to wake up every morning, put on the suit and tie, and chase until I was exhausted. And that every time I would get a little closer, it would seem a little further. And I always felt like I was running 90 miles an hour trying to get success. And I would meet with one group of friends and they'd be like, oh, you're really successful. And I'd meet with another group and they'd be like, oh, when's your success start? Where I think I was successful in one area of my life only to find out other areas were falling apart. A good friend of mine, Sherry, wrote a book called um, Exponential Living, where she talks about giving 100% of yourself into only 10% of your life. And so when I speak of success, it's giving 100% of yourself into 100% of your life so that we can use the tools that we sometimes use in business and leadership in our personal lives and in our families and in our faith and in our finance. So that, I guess, is the long answer to what I do and why I do it. Well, the why I do it is because I love to see people live at a more balanced level, to be living fully into their purpose and their passion and their vision. As a matter of fact, we just wrapped up two courses that you have access to anytime you want at successcoachingu, the letter U.com. One on mission and vision and one on purpose and passion. And we're starting one on goal setting from a whole new perspective, which I really love because it's the way I've been able to achieve goals. What goals? Living at the beach in Uruguay. I mean, I was a kid that grew up in Minnesota, barely made it out of school. And now I have a beach home in Uruguay, just as an example. So let's get into today's lesson because 
part of the success is really understanding those habits, those things that we need to begin to do on a daily level. And in order to build our excellence, as I said, we, you know, um, Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. So if you're striving for excellence, if you're striving for greatness, feel that it has to be some far off distant thing that you weren't gifted or born into. Understand that it is through your daily actions, through those daily habits that you too can create a world of excellence. You know, it's a reminder that it doesn't happen overnight, that the, the distance between A and B begins in discipline, consistency, and habits. And our day-to-day lives, habits can often be tough to build as there are plenty of distractions that can lead us off the straight and narrow and right back to our old ways. We all do that. I mean, January 1st is the prime example. I'm going to begin doing this. This is my new habit. I promise to go out and we buy the juicer or the Tupperware containers that are portion controlled or we sign up at the gym or we open a special bank account or we You know, do something dramatic that we say, as of today, this is the way my life is going to be every day from now on, and I'm never going to alter from it, I promise you. And then guess what? You wake up the next day and the kid's, you know, sick and you can't get to the gym on time. Or, you know, uh, the, the, the juicer explodes or you forget to buy the wheatgrass to put in it. And all of a sudden we start to fall out of habit. And in falling out of habit, we lose momentum. And then the distance between A and B somehow gets covered up by C and D and E and F and all of the other things. So what looks obvious, you know, that day-to-day discipline can often be tough to build. And like I said, there's lots of distractions along the way. So to alleviate some of that, to begin to help you understand and build success with your habits, to build success with your discipline, I want to give you, you know, Five tips, five little tips. So number one, make micro quotas and macro goals. So make it micro and macro at the same time. It's fascinating. The number of studies on motivation and the research about goal setting and goal achievement and successful people is that there's nothing wrong with the dreaming big thinking. You know, that vision of I'm going to run the Ironman or I'm going to be a millionaire or I'm going to write a best-selling book. Big thinking wakes us up in the morning. Big thinking makes us believe in ourselves. But the science has also shown that that big thinking can be so far out in the distance that we lack the clarity and the self-determination to get into it because it's so big. I mean, it's so big. Where do we begin? And that's where I talk about the micro quotas or micro steps. Sometimes if the goal is to run a marathon, for example, then what we need to do is start with the first micro quota. I will get up every morning at 6 a.m. and put on my tennis shoes. Now, notice I didn't say get up and run a mile, get up and run five miles, get up and join the you know, Olympic uh, triathlon trainers. Get up and put on the shoes. Because if up until now, getting out of bed and putting on your tennis shoes was a challenge, why would you st- step over that? Why would you skip that as a reward? And having those micro goals or micro quotas or micro steps along the way, 
Your goals become achievable. If you're going to write a book, instead of sitting down and trying to write a 12-chapter book, what if you sat down and wrote 100 words a day, 1,000 words a day? Granted, when you get to the 10th or 20th or 30th day, you may go through and edit it and realize what's good and what's bad. But understand that you have to begin with the big dream, but you've got to set these little micros. And I call them little wins. And that's kind of win, W-I-N, and then also wind, W-I-N-D. When you can get that micro goal and you can really start to begin to feel the success in that, it gives you the momentum. It gives you the power. It gives you the, be, the energy to believe that all things are possible. Going back to the marathon thing, if I said, well, my goal is to run a marathon and I'm going to begin January 1st and I go out and I buy those killer tennis shoes that are guaranteed to make my, my feet feel feather light and I buy the track suit and the reflector gear and I download the app from iTunes of all my favorite songs and the night before I carb up the week around me, I've got my protein and I go, I had never, I all of these things that are going to make me succeed and I get up that morning and I start down the road and I only make it a mile instead of the the 10 or the 15 or the 20 that I had planned I end up with a sense of defeat the sense of it's too big for me I knew I wouldn't make it this time I'm challenging myself more than I want and I come home from that run feeling defeated feeling let down feeling unable. Whereas if I had simply said my goal January 1st through the 5th is to get up every morning, go out the door and walk one block. Wow, I've got a wind. I've got wind in my sail. I can begin to use that to do two blocks, three blocks, five blocks. Once I build that muscle memory in my brain and in my body of success, then I can double and triple, quadruple it. And pretty soon, running a mile, running 10K, running 15, whatever, becomes natural because I know that I can achieve things successfully. And if in the middle of that, I have a setback or a failure, it's no big deal because I already have enough wins in my hands, enough micro quotas with yeses and stars next to them that I know that it's not my DNA to fail. It just happens to be the event of the moment. All right? Number two is create behavior change. Chains. Chains. I'm sorry. They're like creating sticky habits is, is easier when we make, make use of current routines instead of trying to, to fight them. This concept of I'm going to change everything to create a new as opposed to I'm going to modify this. So, for instance, if you're on a weight loss program, and you want to change, you know, if you want to lose weight, instead of saying, well, I'm going to go out and I'm only going to eat carrots and apple juice and raw eggs. I mean, trust me, there's probably a diet that follows that craziness, you know, the grapefruit diet, the lemon juice diet, the only greens, whatever diet. And we try and create this rapid change. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen? You're going to sit down and you're going to starve yourself. If you're currently in the habit of sitting on at 10 o'clock at night, kids are in bed, need to watch some mind-numbing TV, and that's when you tend to munch the junk and put on the weight, okay, so what is the trigger point? 
whenever I sit down and I have the remote in my hand and the house is quiet, I like to reward myself with a treat. Now, historically, that treat is fattening, calorie full, not healthy for me. So instead of changing all of the behavior, maybe, okay, next time when I get up to go to the refrigerator, stacked in the front of the refrigerator are the, the healthy snacks. Or instead of doing the routine of TV remote snack, I do snack TV remote so that I now get engaged in the TV show why I have the snack instead of vice versa. Look at the current pattern and say, what is the, what is the current trigger point? What is the link in the chain that I want to change? I don't want to abandon the whole chain. I just need to begin to look at the individual triggers or the link right before the thing that I want to change. So years ago, years ago, when I was trying to quit smoking, and it was not an easy task, I tell you, I did some of the craziest, wackiest things. Ah, That's a different show. But I knew from habit that I would get in the car, start the car, hit the cigarette lighter, put the car in reverse, and by the time I got to the bottom of the driveway, the, the lighter would pop out, and I would be able to light my cigarette and drive to the front of the, you know, to the end of the street, so to speak. So I couldn't stop going to work. I couldn't stop putting the car in reverse. But what I could stop is the cigarette lighter going in. So how did I change it? Simply taking the cigarette lighter out of the car created enough of a moment of link change that it's like, okay, in the car, start the car, reverse. Oh, wait a minute, there's no lighter. So now I can't push it in and go backward. Oh, well, I'll still go back down the driveway. I'll still go to the end of the street. And by interrupting that one link, I was beginning to develop a new habit of not having a cigarette in the car the minute I started the engine. And then over time, I was able to find other trigger links, other links that set that would change. Like when the phone rang, I would always seem to grab a cigarette and go sit outside and talk on the phone. And with, okay, so what do I do? I need to move my cigarettes as far away as possible from my phone so that it wasn't natural to pick up the two things and begin something. Okay. You're getting it. You're seeing it. That link trigger action. Don't try and clear the whole deck. Don't try and clean out the whole house, so to speak. Simply look at what the triggers are and then ask yourself, what is the one step right before the bad habit creeps in? That if I was aware of that piece, that, ha- that trigger, and I modified it, would it give me the moment that I need to change the behavior or create a new habit? The other thing is, number three, is eliminate excessive options. And what I mean by that is so often we give ourselves all of these things that we need to do. It's like this, this huge, great monumental task we've got to do this and we've got to do that and then take for instance you know this and then we're doing that and that and we've got all of these things we need to manage and so what we end up doing is we become exhausted by the end of the day making micro decisions that we go nowhere and so try and pare down the number of decisions that you need to make in a day so that you can have the energy available for you to make the decisions that you want to make. 
The perfect example of this is, for instance, Barack Obama always wearing blue and gray suits. He eliminated the number of options. Mark Zuckerberg, always in black, black jeans, black t-shirt, black shirt. Many highly successful people don't change basic routines because they don't want to have to think of that little decision, cereal or eggs, Easter donut. They become almost boringly mundane in certain areas of their life. Why? Because they're saving that resource, that little bit of brain power, that half of a kilowatt of a wattage of a wattage for later when they need to make the decision not to do something or to do something. So in that, that conservation of choices, they now can make better focused choices in the direction that they want to get. So I kind of have some of these same routines in my life. I tend to be a creature of habit, and I tend to eat sometimes the same thing and do sometimes the same thing. And from an outside perspective, it must look like I'm the most boring person on the planet. But what it allows me to do is get so far down the road that pretty soon I'm into something else before the negative behavior or habit takes over. You'll hear it with runners who can run and not realize the distance they've covered because they've just gotten, it, gotten into the rhythm. Foot down, foot up, foot down, foot up, foot down, foot up. And they're just like going, and all of a sudden the miles just fall behind them. Why? Because they've just let it happen. They've reduced the number of options, and they've just become mundane in the running so that they can gain the momentum to get from the beginning point to somewhere in the midpoint to down the way. And this way, also, we become more conscious of our environment on the change. When certain things are done in a mundane process and then something is out of order, it comes to our awareness at a level like, wait a minute, that's how I do these things. That doesn't feel right. Who snuck in, you know, a paisley suit in the middle of my grays and blacks? That doesn't belong here. And when we can say that doesn't belong here, then we can stop that behavior. But if everything in our life is random, and decision-based, then we know, have no control over what our standard is. Number four is really process plan. But you don't have to worry about finalizing. And what I mean is that is the step that many people skip when they finalize about building a certain habit is they never clearly answer why they want the change to occur. Now, it may seem like a small detail, but, if it, it, but it plays a huge role in keeping our motivation up over time. Uh, lots of research shows us that excessive fantasizing about the results can be extremely detrimental to the stickiness, I guess is the word I want to use, of the habit. So if I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and I fall off the process, the fact that why I want to do it will bring me back into the process and bring me back into the behavior and into the habit. But if I daydream about something so grand and so elusive and I fall off, then it's almost as if the dream doesn't exist. So understanding why I want to be healthy, you know, some, I want to look good. Well, what does look good mean? Well, and it's so often when I meet with a client, we talk about something like that. They'll say, well, I just want to get healthy. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? Well, because I want to be, I want to be skinnier. Okay. And after about 30 minutes of talking, what they're really saying is I need momentum or energy in my life because 
I have a new grandbaby. Okay, now we're getting into a real why. Well, I want to be able to enjoy the time with my grandchild. Okay, why is that important? And all of a sudden, they'll hear something like, well, my grandmother died when I was very young, and I missed her storytelling, or I missed being able to have that relationship or whatever. Okay, so the real why for what you're doing is you want to have a personal relationship with your grandbaby, and being healthy is critical to achieving that. And I'll say, oh, my gosh, that's it. That's exactly it. So now instead of being upset that they missed a day of walking because they failed on their big goal, they're more motivated like, okay, I may have missed the walking, but what else could I do today to maintain that idea of becoming healthy and mobile for my grandkid? The planning, visualizing the process helped focus the attention and the steps needed to do it. And then the why is the emotion that adds to the visualization for the individual steps to be sort of free of the anxiety because now we're being pulled into it instead of pushed into it. And there's a big difference. So often people write their goals and their habits because they're being pushed. My doctor says I've got to lose weight or I'm going to drop over debt. Okay. Sounds like a very motivating cause, but you're also saying it in a way that sounds like you're being pushed by others. So you're not going to really be committed to it because it's not internal. So how can we internalize that? How can we make it come from within that pulls you into a healthy lifestyle? It pulls you into making proper choices. And that's the process planning of understanding the why and the process for getting healthy. And then number five is eliminate the, ah, screw it. I'm sorry, I couldn't think of a better way to describe it. But you know what? That, that moment when we raise our hands and we shake it and go, I give up. Just screw it. It's not worth it. It's not going to happen for me. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the ah, screw it moment is that, that, that moment when we just feel as if we've been defeated by life and there's no point in staying in it. So we've all been there. Trust me, I've been there a couple of times. I might even have a lifetime membership to the ah, screw it club some ways. So what is, the, what is the solution to that? Well, examine your habits and find exactly where things started to take down. What often happens is we set up a discipline system. We set up a pattern. We, we meet with coaches and trainers. We read books. We download apps. And it tells us it's exactly what we're supposed to do for the next hour, the next week, the next month, the next year. We have financial planners that will say, if you continue to contribute to your retirement plan at this, this, and this rate, by the end of this time, you'll have this much money. And they lay it out. And it's very organized and very disciplined. And at some point, we look, at the, we look six months, a year later, and it hasn't happened. And we're like, ah, screw it. It's never going to happen. Well, instead of taking that approach, go back and say, wait a minute. When did I fall off the plan? When did I abandon the ship? When did I let one day a week out of the gym become two days a week, become three days a week, become four days a week? When did I begin to fall out of habit? Oddly enough, it's often when we're feeling great about what we're doing. We think that our emotional energy will carry us beyond the need for discipline. You know, it's that, yay, I did it. 
And so I don't need anybody to tell me how to do it anymore because I achieved it. And then pretty soon we look around and we've lost that momentum. It's the moment after the event. You know, we all go to seminars and events and we get, we leave the room and we're jazzed up and we're ready to change our lives and become new people. We get home and we're greeted by our kids and got to take out the trash and pay the bills and blah, 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 blah. But yet we hold on and we hold on and we hold on to those things they taught us at the event and in the class. And then two weeks and then three weeks go by. And then we realize that we are supposed to be listening an hour a day to the CDs. And we've gone down to 30 minutes or every other day. And then by the end of six months, when we check in with our group that went to the event and we haven't achieved the success we wanted, we go, ah, screw it. Well, what I'm going to tell you is you have to go all the way back and say, wait a minute, the plan was this, and I abandoned the plan. And I, if I had stuck to the plan, the plan would have worked. And that's often where I come in as a coach is that accountability play person that says, wait a minute, you said you were going to do this and this, and you didn't. And you're still alive, so therefore you still have an obligation to finish it. And they'll say, ah, screw it, it wasn't important. I'm like, no, it was important because we talked about it for like three weeks. I even remember you crying in the middle of it and saying, that's exactly what I want for my life. But it became hard to follow the discipline. It became hard to follow the habit. It became hard to do what other people weren't doing because you saw them getting other stuff and you thought, well, if I just do what they're doing, I'll get what they want have. But there's so much going on behind people's lives that we don't know and don't see that we don't know what they're doing. But we were willing to jump off our plan onto somebody else's boat thinking it'll bring us to the shore that we're seeking. And it never works out that way. So in order to break that, cult, that, that, that ah, screw it thing, you've got to have a written, clearly defined set of habits and disciplines that you're going to follow. You've got to stick to it. And when it says, it, when the alarm clock goes up and it's 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and you're supposed to get up and, and breathe deeply for five times and put on your tennis shoes and walk to the front door and go to the end of the street and then come back, and it's pouring down rain, and you do it, then you have mastered your future. Then you have match, mastered success. By doing that simple act of knowing that you can conquer the, I'll oh, screw up my habits, and you can take ownership and discipline as Napoleon Hill talks about understanding your purpose and your passion and your vision and your drive and your why, and you take all of that and you put it on top of a proven plan. That's how you become a multimillionaire. Mark Zuckerberg did not wake up with a thing called Facebook running with 10,000 million billion people on it and ad campaigns and going on stock. No, it was built one person at a time, then two people, then four, then six, then eight, then 10, then a hundred and on and on. It was the discipline of staying in the game. Nobody wins a marathon by starting at the starting line and saying, I'm finished. No, they have to take that step after step, day after day, to develop the discipline. Habits are required. Habits are required for our success. Remember, when we started, we talked about it. What are, I'm sorry, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. If you're ready to have excellence in your life, if you're ready to be different than everybody else you've been hanging around with or who you were last week, last month, last year, last 10 years, you have got to get out of this notion that a vision board sitting across from you at your desk every day is going to make it happen. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry, my friend. That's a different seminar, a different podcast, a different teacher. 
I didn't arrive here in Uruguay in a house on a beach with my family by just wishing it and putting on a vision board. Yes, that was a piece of it. That kept me focused. But I went to work and I had, honestly, to tell you, we had a, a thermometer like you see, you know, back in elementary school that, you know, we colored in every day we were putting money in the savings account. We kept coloring it in and coloring it in and coloring it. We had a very clearly defined for every dollar what percentage would go into the, the, the travel fund, the Uruguay fund. And I began to work harder so I could fill it faster. And then we stayed disciplined. And there were a lot of distractions along the way that I wanted to like empty the thermometer and go off and do something else. But I didn't because the bigger picture, micro goals kept me focused on what I wanted. And so if you want to begin to develop success in your life, let's talk about those goals. Let's meet one-on-one if you need to. Let's be really clear that it's achievable in your life. The only thing that you need to do is commit to it and not let go when other people tell you it's easy to let go. I believe in this process. I live this process, and I'm willing to help you if you need. So feel free to reach out to me and join me on Monday through Friday when we're on Facebook Live and we do success coaching live at 8 a.m. Eastern. We've got so many people that meet us there, and we're building a community of thinkers. We have so much fun. And then take one of the classes that I offer on Success Coaching Live. They're free, and they'll keep you in the right mindset and in the right community. And if you need me personally, reach out and find me. I'm not that hard to find. It's Eric G. Reed, R-E-I-D, dot com. I'm sure you can find me. But understand that it's simple matter of habits and discipline and accountability and coaching will help you achieve the success you want in life starting today if you're willing to dive into it. I appreciate you so much today and I wish you the very best. Go out and live today with success. And again, my name is Eric Reed. I'm your success coach. And if I can help you in any way along this journey, please let me know. It is my, my, my passion to do so. Until we get together next Friday and another Success Coaching Live, Go out and live life with success. Bye-bye.